0: series that we're calling Rhythm, Walking in Step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, We've been doing this, this is our fourth week now, but really since the first of the year we've been talking about this idea, this concept, this principle of wanting to be close to God, staying close to God so that He can lead us, so that we know His will, so that He can guide us, so that we know where to go, what to do, all those types of things as an individual believer, as a corporate body, as a church together, all those types of things. So today we're, we're in week four. This is the third week that we've been looking at the spiritual disciplines, how to practice, what we need to practice in order to stay close with the Lord, to walk with the Holy Spirit. Um, so we're looking at this week. It's a little, I don't know, a little more fun than the fasting ones, I would say. We're looking at the feasting disciplines today, and uh, and that's that's where we'll be. So there's seven of them. We'll do six today, uh, and then next week we'll do a message excuse me, around love and marriage and blah, 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 all that stuff, and then, and then we'll come back and finish the last of these disciplines the week after that on the 19th. Um, so that's where we're at, and we're going to read one verse today, but we're going to read several verses, but this verse is just another verse going along with what we've been looking at. We've looked at Colossians, most of this series, Colossians 1.10, we want to have a walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing to the Lord. Uh, And and then this verse here, it, it lays it out for us just the same. Philippians 4, 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. What does that mean? It means Paul lived and showed the people in Philippi what to do. And he said all that stuff that we did, that stuff that I did on a regular basis, the stuff I taught you, do it and do it more and then do it again and then do it again because that's what practice is. So put these things into practice. So that's why we're talking about the spiritual disciplines. Disciplines are just, it's just training is all it is. It's training. You train to do something second nature. You train to conform your behavior. You train to conform your body. There's many reasons that we train. We want to train spiritually on the things that Jesus showed us in his lifestyle. We we don't want to just sit around and wait for things to happen. We want to adopt Jesus' lifestyle with our lives. That's why we're looking at this. So again, for a couple of weeks, we looked at the fasting, uh, the different fasting disciplines, the things we want to do less of or not do at all. Uh, Others, we want to fast from others, noise, food, excess, pleasure, security, recognition. This week, we're looking at feasting, feasting on the word, on worship, on prayer, on service, on fellowship, on submission. And then two weeks from today, we'll do feasting on celebration. And again, we keep saying this every week. Pete Rose said this, and I think it's a smart thing. I practice what I'm not good at. Most folks practice what they are good at. When they were asked why he was such a good hitter, he said, because I work on the things that I'm not good at instead of just working on the things that I'm already good at. So what are you terrible at on this list? What is hard for you? Naturally, because of your personality, your innate personality, your innate DNA, who you are as a person, the things you naturally enjoy, the things you naturally don't enjoy, whatever it is. What is it that is a struggle for you? Spend time on that. Spend time on that. Do those things. Practice those things, whatever those things are. So the feasting disciplines, we want to feast on the Word. See that? Makes me so mad. I worked so hard to make that go straight across. And then you change computers and the dead gum thing does that. Makes me want to scream, but I'm not going to. (laughs) We want to feast on the word because we want to be fed. That is how we are spiritually fed. We want to feast on worship. Consistent worship anchors us, it anchors our soul. It's why we have called youth anchor for years. We want to have Jesus as the anchor for our soul and being. In worship consistently together, does that. It helps do that. We want to be feasting on prayer, and in that prayer, we want to be confessional. We want to be confessional. Service. Service makes us vital. We want to be vital. We want to be important. We want to matter. You want to matter? Jesus told us how to matter. Serve. We want to feast on fellowship so that we can be connected to each other, and we want to feast on submission because we want to be humble. We don't want to submit for the sake of submission. We want to submit on a regular basis. Practice the discipline of submitting so that we can stay humble or become humble for the first time maybe for some of us. All right, so first off, feast on the Word. We want to feast on the Word of God. What does that mean? We engage ourselves above all with the written and spoken Word of God. Written and spoken word of God. The reason these quotes keep coming from Dallas Willard is because these quotes all come from the same book, *The Spirit of the Disciplines*, where he details a lot of this. Now, I've taken, curated a lot of things, uh, but a lot of a lot of the information comes from that book. We want to feast on the word of God. We want to engage ourselves. Above all, this has to be a discipline that we prioritize. We want to engage in the word of God. Amen. Second Peter uh, chapter 3. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and for e- now and to the day of eternity. Amen. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's no other place to go to for knowledge better than the word of God. That's where the knowledge of Jesus Christ is. We have to be in the word in order to grow in the word. David Watson said this uh, in his book, Fear No Evil, A Personal Struggle with Cancer. He said this right before he was going in to have surgery on his cancer and a cancer that ended up taking his life. He said this, God's word to us is the very ingredient that feeds our faith, not out faith, our faith. If we feed our souls regularly on God's word, we should become robust spiritually just as we feed on ordinary food and become robust physically Nothing is more important than hearing and obeying the word of God. We read or listen, for those that are auditory learners, we read or listen to God's word. We inquire. We want to get deep. We dig deep into his word. We meditate on his word. I have so enjoyed our Wednesday morning Bible studies. I mean, guys, we spent, we had to cut it off week before last. We went a little over an hour on two verses, two verses, because that's how deep and rich and knowledgeable and wise God's word is. Now, this past week, we did a few more verses than that. So if you're the type of person that I said, we went over two verses and you're like, I'm not coming to that. It's not always like that, but it's amazing. It's so Invigorating and so life giving to be together and study God's word and hear other people's perspective and hear their heart and just share how how that's affected their life or, or or that's a struggle for them and they're and they're and they're praying about getting that into their life and all the things to be human and to and to just dig into God's word. It's life giving. It feeds us on a spiritual basis, which is more important than us being fed on a physical basis. We fast from others and we fast from noise so that we can engage in solitude and engage in silence so that we can spend more time in God's Word. We don't just stay away from each other for the sake of it. I mean, I get it. Everybody has those days where you just like everybody go away and leave me alone, right? But we don't do it just for the sake of being alone. We do it to engage God's presence, to get into his presence. One of the primary ways to do that is to be in his Word. We cannot. Church, we cannot, we cannot devote too much time, too much effort, too much energy to reading and meditating on God's Word. We can't. We need to hear from Him, and this is the number one way that He speaks to us. We've discussed this before, and as we've discussed before, these statistics are startling for someone that reads consistently their Bible four times per week or more. They did a study on it in 2009. 228% more likely to share their faith with others. Someone that engages in the word four times a week or more is 228% more likely to share their faith with others. Why do we have an evangelism problem in the church? Because we have a reading God's word problem in the church. The majority of Christians surveyed in this survey in 2009, 2009 didn't read the Bible at all. Much less a few times a week. But there's not much difference in zero times and three times per week, statistically speaking. Now, I'm not saying if you can only do it twice, don't. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying statistically speaking, there was a tipping point in the statistics. When you spend the majority of your week, four days or more, in the Word, there is a statistical explosion that takes place. 407% more likely to memorize Scripture. Well, duh. If you're reading the word, then you're more likely to memorize it. If you're not reading it at all, you won't memorize it. 59% less likely to view pornography. 70% of men in the church have a pornography problem. It is a problem. 30% less likely, listen to this one, to struggle with loneliness. 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. That's better than any antidepressant drug on the market. And I'm not against that. I'm not against that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just telling you, God's word is the most powerful thing we can engage in in our lives, period. 57% less likely to engage across the board in risky behaviors that have major life consequences. And that statistic goes up for your age. The teenagers that were surveyed, it went up even higher when it came to the risky behaviors. All the stuff that we, that we stay up late at night worrying that our kids may be involved in. The stuff that damages your life and hurts your life and makes your life harder and hurts people around you and hurts your parents and hurts the people that love you the most. You're less likely to engage in that stuff because that stuff, although it seems like it's going to be fun, under promises, excuse me, over promises and under delivers every time. That's what sin always does. Under delivers, over promises. It's going to be great. It's going to be. It's what you're missing. It's going to fill that hole that you feel, and then boom, it comes in, and it wasn't worth it. It's never worth it. This is why, church. One of our 100 goals for 100% of our church. One of our 100 100 goals this this year in 23 is for the entire congregation to be engaging in God's word four times a week or more, because it makes a tremendous difference in our life. So we need to feast on the word it's that simple feast on the word just be in the word however you can make it happen make it happen okay moving on feast on the worship of god surprising we're in church and we're saying that we need to be worshiping god we engage ourselves with dwell upon and express the greatness beauty and goodness of god through thought and and words and rituals and symbols. That's what worship is. That's what it is. We engage ourselves, we dwell upon, we think about it, we put it in our heart, and we express the greatness and beauty and goodness of God. And we do it with word, we do it with song, we do it with rituals. What do you mean, rituals? Right up there, when we dunk somebody, if you're a believer in Christ, there's, there, there's hardly anything more invigorating than seeing someone publicly express that they have placed their faith in Christ. It's not the ritual that's a big deal. It's not that you're getting wet and coming up out of the water. It's that you're saying, I'm dying to myself and I'm being resurrected to new life forevermore. All these things, rituals and symbols, the things we do, it's, it has a purpose. The reason why we stand here and, and, and read scripture out loud and then recite it together, there's something powerful about us. That's nothing but a prayer about praying out loud together, saying these words about God. It, it affects us deeply. affects us deeply we want to engage we want to feast on the worship of god here's some examples from scripture we sang about it today too our lord and god you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and because of your will they exist and were created why is he worth it because you created all things and because by your will they exist and were created if god just decided Thankfully, this isn't his character, but if he just decided, yeah, I'm done with that, and snapped his fingers, everything, including us, would just cease existing. He could do that if he wanted to. He's not going to because he says he's not going to, but he could. He could. He has that power. That's why he's worth worshiping, one of many reasons. Next chapter in Revelation their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. John expressing what he's he's trying to use language to express what he is seeing. This vision that that, that the angel of the Lord is allowing him to see. This this wonderful book that maybe we will study after Romans. Maybe. Whew. I'm trying to I'm trying to gird up my loins and be ready for that one. That's gonna to be tough. <coughs> I just said loins. <laughs> They're not the <laughs> that's embarrassing. Oh All right, moving on. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands, the heavenly hosts that John was able to see. They said with a loud voice, it's okay to be loud in church, the lamb who was slaughtered is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. There's a section of heaven that there's angels there that all they say over and over and over and over for eternity is holy, holy, holy to the Lord God Almighty. That's all those angels do. They were created just to express God's greatness and His holiness. W- <laughs> Worship is so deep and so wonderful and so, better, so much better than it, than it is here. And I love worshiping together here. I really do. It affects me every time, every week. Anytime that I'm gone, I'm going to funk the next week until I'm back. But it's going to be so much better in heaven and so deep that we will literally do it for eternity and still not run out of ways. And still not be fully able to express our worship, to to show God his worth in our worship. We will do it for an eternity. That's how good it is. So worship engages our minds and engages our heart to regularly express and remember all that God has done and all that he will continue to do to do. It's the, regular, it's the regular expression of the worth of God from us. What or who you worship is the number one determining factor in the direction of your life. You replace the word worship and just say value because it's the same thing. What or who you worship, whatever you place on that mantle as the number one thing that you value, is the number one determining factor in the direction of your life. Whatever you place there is what you're going to spend your time, effort, and energy on. And therefore, whatever you're aiming at is where you generally go. Our who and what we worship and how we worship is, it's, I'm unable to describe it in language how important that it is. What you worship, what you value, will determine what you do and pursue. You cannot, church, you cannot regularly forsake the worship gathering of the church and experience a Jesus-filled life as God wants you to. You just can't. You can't. I'll move on. Proper and regular worship of Jesus sets the best course and the best aim for our lives. Moving on. Feast on prayer to God. We engage in the conversing and communicating with God with our thoughts and with our minds, with our words, with our thoughts and with our words. Prayer, communicating with the creator of the universe, an unbelievable privilege that we take for granted on a daily basis. Now, here's a super, super in depth scripture on this. You ready? Pray without ceasing. I love that scripture. It's actually two words in the Greek, it's only two words in the Greek. Pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul tells us. Pray without ceasing. Now, it gets even deeper when you look at it in the Greek. Okay? When you look at it in the Greek. Adeliptos homato. It means to pray without ceasing. (laughs) It means to constantly pray. That's what it means. It means feast on prayer. It means you can't do it too much. You can't do it too often. The world will tell you, "Chill out with the prayer." Satan will do everything he can to distract you from spending time in prayer. Well, God here's what he'll tell you. Well, God's just going to do what he's going to do. So why would you waste your time praying? Here's why. Because God tells us to pray. And if he tells us to, there's a reason for it. And it's not so that we can tell him what he needs to do. That's not what happens in prayer. That's not what happens in prayer, although that is the majority of our prayer life. God, will you please do X, Y, Z. If you just do my laundry list of prayers, then everything will be okay. I don't know why you won't just do what I say. That's how we pray. The purpose of prayer is so that God can change us. And sometimes that changes our circumstances, but it always changes our perspective, which is way more important than our circumstances being changed. Our perspective, our view on things is way more important Feast on prayer. So then the question always comes, what do we pray about? What do I pray about then? The better question is, what don't you pray about? Pray about everything. Pray about anything. Pray about it all. There's all types of quote-unquote ways to pray. There's strategies and acronyms and all this stuff. And none of that's bad. But just pray. Just pray. Think about this. God is our Heavenly Father. He wants to hear from his sons and daughters. It's just that simple. He wants to hear from his sons and daughters. He wants to rejoice with you. He wants to celebrate with you. He wants to guide you. He wants you to love him the way he loves you. He wants to console you when you're grieving and struggling and going through something hard he, want, he wants to console you he wants to give you a big spiritual hug and is there anything better than just the right hug at the right time what, what good father doesn't want to hear from his kids all of the dads that are here is there ever a time where your kid wants to express something to you that, that after it's over you're not like man, that was cool a good father wants to hear from his kids. God is perfect father. He wants to hear from his kids. So you don't need a formula. You just need to put it into practice. Put it into practice. Put it into practice. Pray to God all the time. Make prayer your first reaction and make prayer your primary proaction. When something happens to you, pray about it. And when you're thinking about doing something, Pray about it. Make it your first reaction and your primary proaction. Pray, pray, and pray and pray some more. Heard a wonderful story about the power of prayer yesterday at Mr. Net Thacker's funeral. Mr. Mr. Roger is convinced. He didn't go and die in Vietnam because his mom prayed for him. And I completely agree with him. I completely agree. I have said this numerous times. I believe the only reason I made it through my later teens and early 20s is because my papa prayed for me every single day. There's no other explanation. I shouldn't have made it through some of the dumb things that I did. I'd I'd explain it, but I'm not going to. I've I've already embarrassed myself enough today. Next, we feast on service to God and his church. We engage our goods, the stuff we have, And strength in the active promotion of the good of others and the causes of God in our world. Colossians 3. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that you will receive the reward of your inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. When we serve, it benefits others, but we're not serving to benefit others. We're serving because we're serving the Lord. And you can do it at your job You can do it with your family you should do it here at your church you can do it in your community we can serve and serve and serve and serve and it brings purpose and meaning it makes us vital to the world when we're when we're willing to serve in this life Jesus said that's how we become great is to make ourselves nothing now we can do things as a discipline right because it's training it's because the training is going to make something happen to us but some of these just don't need to necessarily be approached that way so you don't have to approach service as a discipline because it's going to change you although it's going to change you it should just be a joy when we serve each other it's an expression of love we should it should be it feels good to do it it really shouldn't be hard for us to do this or difficult for us to do this uh, we also, and, and even though that is true, the other reason we practice this is because it guards us against arrogance. It guards us against possessiveness and envy and resentment and covetedness. When we regularly practice, put into practice, when we regularly serve, it's hard to be those things we're not supposed to be. All the things that are rottenness to the bones... God's word says, and they are deadly, deadly, deadly to the health of a church when those other things exist. We serve to please God and not to please man. And in that, we find this paradoxical reality. We find a paradoxical reality in service that when we bow to others in service, God exalts us in Him. Our greatness to God is found in our lowliness to man. It's a paradox. Our willingness to serve one another determines our greatness in the kingdom of God. What do you mean, preacher? What 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 is service? Jesus gave an example, pretty gross one, to be honest. So if you, so if I, excuse me, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done for you now um, we're not going to start becoming a foot washing church okay I know churches I know of churches that do that they literally wash each other's feet every Sunday and there's nothing wrong with that but I ain't doing that I'm just telling you <laughs> I've, I've been having to get physical therapy since Thanksgiving and one of the things that, that, that Kelsey and the team there does is they hook my foot up to this thing and it makes it jump and it makes me do all the stuff and it hurts like crazy but it works but it's terrifying because I have to go in there and take off my socks and shoe every time and it's like ah oh, so! And so, I feel so exposed. Part of that is what's happening here. Also part of it is people's feet back then, you think yours are gross? They were disgusting back then. It was the lowliest thing you could do was to wash someone else's feet. It was reserved for the lowest servant in the house to do that. But Jesus did that for his disciples. Peter said, you ain't washing my feet. Which would be your reaction too. Jesus said, I have to. I have to. So look for ways to to deny yourself. Look for ways to deny yourself and to serve others. You may be gifted in this area or that area, but you're not too good to serve. So serve. And I'll mention this real quick, and I'll move on. If you aren't willing to serve financially, then I doubt you're willing to wash feet literally or metaphorically. What we do with our pocketbooks is one of the clearest examples of where our heart is towards service because that's what it is. It's a service. This is why one of our 100 goals this year is for everyone in this congregation to be a consistent giver. Everyone in this congregation to be a consistent giver because it sets our heart in the right direction. Because where our treasure is, there our heart is also, Jesus said. Feast on fellowship. We engage in common activities of worship, study, prayer, celebration, and service with other followers of Jesus. Feast on fellowship. Be together and do the things that we're called to do. Do these disciplines together sometimes. Feast on fellowship. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12. You see that? Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's a cool word right there. The common good is one word in the Greek. sumpheron. Means literally it means common profiting. To, to bear and bring together, to, to bear together or at the same time, to carry with others, to collect or contribute in order to help, to help, to be profitable, to be expedient. That's what that word means. We're given the gifts of the Spirit for the benefit of each other. But if we're not with each other, it's really hard to do that. We should be in fellowship. And I've said this before. I did a whole message on this one time, but I'm saying it again. What I'm saying is no Lone Ranger Christians. No Lone Ranger Christians. No Lone Ranger Christians. We fast from others at times to hear from God. But we must, 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 must be together, church. We must be together and I don't just mean Sunday morning that's a foregone conclusion that's a foregone I don't just mean Sunday mornings that's like the easiest part of it but we must be together a Christ follower separated from Christ's church does not exist biblically a Christ follower separated from Christ's church does not exist biblically that's what the church means my assembled people literally is what the word means it doesn't mean a building it means a group of people so in order for us to be who jesus calls to be we have to be a group of people together we have to be in fellowship you need the spiritual gifts of others from time to time and they need your spiritual gift from you from time to time we're stronger together than we'll ever be apart this is why we have so many opportunities to get together it's not just because it's fun Although it is fun. We have people in our church in the last several months that are just dreaming up ways to get together. Let's just, let's just do this so we can get together. It's why, there, why there's a ladies' function tonight. Not just to have something, to say we're doing something. Because there's there's power in getting together for the Lord. We are revived. We are strengthened when we are together. That's why there's an adult Super Bowl luncheon after church next week. To fellowship together, to be together, and sharing a meal together is is a strangely powerful thing. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I can't explain why that is. I just know it is. There's 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 just something special about break, "quote unquote" breaking bread together. It does something. It's why the youth will have a Super Bowl party next Sunday, not just to have fun, because there's power in being together. And it's why we're starting a brand new ministry, and we've had it in the email for weeks. It's called Forks and Fellowship. It's a way to facilitate a more more and more effective fellowship. It's a simple thing. It's so simple that you're going to be tempted not to participate in it. Let that hang there for a minute. It's so simple that you're going to read it and go, that's a waste of time. It's not. It's not. It's purposeful. There's a reason behind it. Forks and fellowship. All it is, is as people sign up, we facilitate groups together, and for the next quarter, you get together a couple of times. Away from the church, preferably at someone's house within the group. No, no, no big program. No, 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 you don't have to have a big fancy meal, nothing. Just get together, hang out, eat a little bit, get to know each other. Fellowship. It's powerful. So do it you hadn't signed up sign up please it will make a difference in the health and life of our church if you don't know how to get on the website and click next steps and go down to fortune Fellowships and click that and fill it out then that's what we got this over here for go over here after the service to the connect center and you'll, someone will help you do that but we need to be together we need to be together that's why we have a business meeting in two weeks Not because it's super fun to go through the financials, because we need to be together going in a common direction. No Lone Ranger Christians. Even the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. Have you ever thought about that? He went alone had Antono. Why was he called the Lone Ranger? It should be the the Ranger Antono, not the Lone Ranger. He wasn't by himself. It's weird. Last one. Feast on submission. Now, I won't make you raise your hand, but my eights. You know who you are. We know who you are. We could not know who you are because you're an eight. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But it's just a personality thing. It's a personality description. My eights, this one's for you. Okay? Love you. Submission. We engage the experience of those in our fellowship who are qualified to direct our efforts in growth and who then add the weight of their wise authority on the side of our willing spirit to help us do the things we would like to do and refrain from the things we don't do. What does that mean? Submit to authority. That's what it means. Submit to authority. Submit to authority. Feast on submission. Ephesians 5. But be filled by the Spirit. And then he describes what that looks like. Be filled by the Spirit, and then Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. How do I do that? It starts first with submitting to Christ. That's where it starts. You submit to Christ, being saved, repenting of your sins, giving your life wholly to Christ which makes you reborn spiritually and gives you the life everlasting. That's step one of submission. Admitting that you need God and he's the only way that you can be saved. Submission to Jesus. We then put into practice the act of submitting to each other. We, we, we looked at this verse uh, a, a, two week, a week ago in reference to fasting from recognition, but it, it, it applies here too. Philippians 2.3 Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Submission. Dallas Willard says this, the way of Jesus knows no submission outside the context of mutual submission. You see, the kingdom that we enjoy, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus, is not of this world, and therefore it doesn't look like this world's power structures. It shouldn't conduct itself like this world's power structures. There may be similarities certain things and businesses and stuff like that there may be crossover there's a little bit of things that are the same but it's not the same the kingdom of heaven is not top-down authority it's not subordination like i say you do that's that's, it's not like that it's mutual submission it's mutual submission uh, it's 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 those that are younger in the faith submitting to the elders in the way of jesus it's being wise enough to listen up and shut up and hear those that know better than you. It's it's one of our tenets we've had for years here. Honor the past. Listen up to people who've been through it. You just might learn something. Submission. But at the same time, at the same time, those in those positions are also submissive. First to God. Second to others in the church. It's mutually submission. Mutual submissive. We don't, we don't, you don't bow down and kiss the rings of the elders of the church. Obviously, that would be weird. But we do honor and respect and listen to wise advice. And they, in their humility, do the same thing. Because sometimes a new idea is a good idea. It's mutual. It's the same thing as marriage. This is the marriage relationship. It's a submission challenge. Try to outdo one another in honoring one another so that we were ultimately honoring the Lord. Hmm. Many of the other disciplines are helped by this, and this helps us in many of the other disciplines. It makes them possible, it makes us able to do it. We should pray with submissive hearts. We should fast from recognition. We should study the Word. We should see how the son submitted to the father's will, giving us the example to follow. Last verse. Going a little farther, he fell down, fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus in his humanity did not want to experience the wrath of God. He did it anyway. He submitted anyway because that's what was best for us and that's what he was called to do. That's what he was on this earth to do. We should be submissive submissive to the authority of God, to the authority structure of the church and to the authority figures in our lives, bosses, teachers, coaches, many, many others who hold a position of authority. I know it's a struggle. I know it's hard. That's the whole point. When we're like this, it stands out. The exception to this is if you're being told to do something contrary to God's word, like Daniel in Babylon. There's a respectful way to say, no, I I can't do that. Sorry. Not, I ain't doing that, dummy. Okay? That's not submission in the right way. Sometimes we want to do that, but it's not the right way to do it. But there is a time to respectfully not submit. But that time is not because something doesn't meet our preference or our convenience, which is usually what we're complaining about when it comes to authority. They're just not doing it quite the way we want them to do it. Right is right and wrong is wrong. We stand up for what is right. We stand against what is wrong. And in that, we are mutually submissive to each other and the authorities in our lives. A lack of submission to each other displays a heart that lacks submission to God. If we will not submit to each other and honor each other then we probably struggle submitting to what God's telling us to do because he's telling us to do that so to wrap it up we'll be done worship team if you want to come on up we'll be ready feasting on the word worship, prayer, service, fellowship, submission and two weeks from now celebration we want to be fed, be anchored, be confessional be vital, be connected be humble, be strengthened say it this way feasting on the word In the word at least four times a week. Worship as a lifestyle, not just an event. Prayer. Prayed constantly. Serving to fulfill our purpose in life. Fellowship for the common good. Being together to share our gifts and blessings with each other. Fellowship for the common good. And submitting in humility to wisdom greater than our own especially to god's i'll pray for us and we'll finish up in song If there's business to handle here during this song love to handle it Uh, if you need someone to pray with you be happy to do that if you want to come up here and express your desire to to publicly say jesus christ is your lord and savior you repent of your sins and you want to place your faith in him then that would be the best thing that could happen today i'll pray for us and we'll finish up Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you love us enough to submit. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you submitted to God the Father and, and and took the wrath that we should bore. You took God the Father's wrath on Calvary so that on the day of judgment it can skip over us because we have simply placed faith in you and you have given us your righteousness. Lord, please strengthen us to discipline our lives so that we can be effective Christ followers for you. So we can bring the kingdom of God to the earth now. Lord, that's our prayer. We can pray it in your name. Amen. you to sing.